once again. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our visitors. Um, there are people who are listening online, not live yet, but uh, so for whoever is listening, whenever and wherever you're listening to this, may you be blessed. And hopefully soon, you may have that opportunity to listen live. So let's see how that goes. I'm excited. Parashat Re'eh, this is the 47th Parsha on the reading cycle. We are nearing the end, right? About six more weeks-ish until we get to the High Holy Day. It's not six more weeks, it's like a month away. It's Rosh Kodesh. And so, um, yeah, this is Elul we're entering into, and it's that season again. Um, for the past several Parshas, Moshe has been really trying to encourage the people. As a matter of fact, he pleads with them over and over not to fall away as they enter into the land. He is preparing them, right? That's a fitting theme as we enter the month of Elul, and uh, we want to prepare ourselves for this season, right? The arrival of the High Holy Day is coming in a month. Uh, right before Beth started with this morning's service, we had the... Uh, High Holy Day announcement sheet hit the back table, so be sure on your way out you grab one of those, and uh, all those are on there, um, because that comes up in about four weeks. It's uh, Elul is a time of deep introspection, is what it should be, of course, and repentance. The themes of repentance are going to flow all through this month, and, of course, possibly the return of our king, right? Yeshua, I always thought, at least it seems to me, this would be the season that would happen. Maybe more on that next week. But as far as entering into the Lul, that's the theme for today is preparation. This month, let's try, including myself, to make some real meaningful preparation and repentance because there are things that we need to shore up a little bit. There are sins, of course, that are obvious that sometimes we struggle with that, you know, are uh, more obvious and more public. But there are other sins which are less obvious, like secret sins, things not a lot of other people know about ourselves. And these are the ones that we really need to go after and be aware of and target during the month of Elul especially. But I would like to begin with a little reading of the word, because the reading of the word is a very important thing. I'd like to begin this week's Torah portion, Parshatra'e. It is Devarim, chapter 11, Deuteronomy, chapter 11, verse 26, I believe, is where it begins. Once again, Moshe is going to be pleading with his people to Follow the ways of Adonai. And it is a theme that has just over and over, and for a good reason. Devarim, or Deuteronomy, chapter 11. Yes. Verse 26 is where Parashat Re'eh begins. And it reads like this. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing... If you listen to the mitzvot of Adonai, your God, that I am commanding you today, but the curse, if you do not listen to the mitzvot of Adonai, your God, 
but turn away from the way I am commanding you today to go after other gods you have not known. Now when Adonai your God brings you into the land you are going into to possess, you are to set the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. Are they not across the Jordan towards the west in the land of the Canaanites who dwell in the Arabah opposite Gilgal beside the Oaks of Moray? For you are about to cross over the Jordan to go in to possess the land Adonai your God is giving you. You will possess it and dwell in it. And you will take care to do all the statutes, right, the Huhim and all the ordinances, the Mishpatim, that I am setting before you today. Again, over and over the past several chapters, Moshe is giving them a choice, pleading with these people not to fall away. And choices are hard. Advice is hard, it seems like, when you give people advice. You know how that is. It's a funny thing. Giving somebody advice or receiving advice. And it's not... That really affects young, old, ourselves, myself. Sometimes it's hard to take good advice, even if you know it's good advice. Oftentimes we know what's best for us, and we still don't do it. We don't even take our own advice. The choice isn't always easy. We fail, and that's because life is just life, and we go through seasons. Some seasons are joyous, some not so much. Sometimes there's a little rebellion and persecution. Sometimes there's just a little bit of laziness, right? This is the summertime. There can be a little bit of complacency going on, backyard barbecues. Uh, there was a car cruise last night in Coopersville. We're sitting out front, just kind of lazing it up. Summertime's like that. It's nice. We can get um, a little bit complacent. There's better choices to be made sometimes, it seems like. And as I see it, Adonai in his wisdom revealed the Moedim in a way to periodically throughout the year get us back on track. I don't know if that's why he did it, but at least to me, the way they're laid out periodically, it helps me sort of get back on track periodically throughout the year when there's an opportunity to tap into that divine blessing and sort of um, like there's extra measure of it during certain parts of the year. On Shabbat, of course, but during the Moedim are another area where that blessing is um, maybe a little bit closer to us to grab a hold of. So we prepare ourselves this month. On the month of Elul, we have choices to make. We should be preparing. And Devarim, of course, the children of Israel are set to prepare the land, and they get lots of instructions. Um, the next instruction they get deals with idolatry. Let's continue reading here a little bit. Um, we get to chapter 12 is where I left off. Let's read a few more verses. Devarim 12.1 says, These are the statutes and ordinances that you are to make sure to do in the land that Adonai, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You must utterly destroy all the places where the nations that you will dispossess serve their gods, on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You are to tear down their altars, smash their pillars, 
burn their Asherah poles in the fire and cut down the carved images of their gods, and you are to obliterate their name from that place. Rashi says, that's not good enough just to tear down those sacred trees. You need to dig the roots up and burn those as well. Interesting thought here that it's not good enough just to drive out the idolaters. Um, everything about them, every little memory has to be destroyed. Of course, our God is a jealous God. You should have no other gods before him. But I just wonder if maybe there might be a deeper lesson to think about when we read this. Of course, now, maybe I should stop and add a little caveat here. There's no um, good thing going to come out of going out and destroying idolatry today. This is specific to the land of Israel. And as you read in Scripture and as Mike read in Scripture for us this morning, we let Adonai deal with the, what's going on outside of these walls, right? Just inside of these walls, we keep it good and tight keep ourselves a high level of discipleship. We hold each other to that kind of accountability. And then that way we can be the light. Maybe we get some of the idolaters coming on in here and getting a little Torah absorbed into their spirit. Anyways, getting back to what I was saying. Um, perhaps there's a deeper meaning why he wants all this stuff destroyed. Perhaps the idols would have sort of an effect, or even if it's just a leftover um, Asherah pole, or, you know, sometimes you see them all over the world, the Aztec temples in South America and Stonehenge. I mean, all around the world you see evidence of leftover um, idols and shrines and temples, and maybe that has some sort of an effect on people spiritually, like spiritual junk rubbing off on them causing them to stumble, and that's why he wants them to not even inquire of the other gods. I'm talking in a spiritual sense. I think about this quite a bit, about how the spiritual world can affect us and how we can affect it. Not that we're really going to get it, but it's a real thing and it's there. In this country, there's all kinds of it all around us, right? Now we're born again, we have the spirit guiding us, but there's still a danger that these things can rub off on us. It's like, I think our souls can get stained on some measure. Um, I work in commercial HVAC, for those of you that really don't know me, or for visitors. Um, and I work in all kinds of different places, but one place that I've worked at a lot over the years is in wastewater treatment plants. Now, if you've seen these driving down the highway, you'll see gigantic brown structures made of cement maybe 100 feet across. Sometimes they stick up out of the ground. Sometimes they look like giant pools. Lots of buildings around them. That's where it all goes when you hit the flush or even when rainwater washes uh, stuff in the gutter. Everything ends up there. And it's a pretty rough place to exist. Lots of chemicals, lots of harsh chemicals and things floating around. And so when we work there, the materials you have to bring in as far as the steel, you can't just bring regular steel in there. Mild steel, black iron, that stuff would corrode so fast that you'd be back there in months. So what you have to do is you have to get um, a steel that is hardened, that's refined, like stainless steel, and you have to bring that in there. The funny thing is, though, even after a few years, when you go in there to remove that equipment, that stainless steel, you can bring it back to your warehouse, 
set it on a skid, and you walk by it a few days later, and it's like, whoa, I can tell where that skid came from. And it's not the skid that smells, it's the stainless steel itself. It's as if the, uh, the atmosphere that's around it, even though that steel is designed for that purpose, to be resistant, to be non-corrosive, somehow the environment finds a way to embed itself, even into stainless steel. It's weird. I mean, even though we may be redeemed, right? We're born again. We have the spirit within us, all that good stuff that we think about and we pray about and that we're thankful for. We're still susceptible to sin. And sin has a way of maybe making our souls stink a little if we're not careful and we're around it a little bit too much. Especially dangerous because some sin, secret sin, Sins that we don't think no one else knows about. It's just me, really not hurting anybody else. Those are the ones that really tend to lurk around a little bit and stink up our souls. This is why this preparation and this thought about this is needed before the high holy days, right? We need to do a little scrubbing. When one goes before a king, he prepares and puts on his best clothes and brings nice gifts. But if you're really filthy, it might take a while to scrub that all off before you walk up before the king. This should be our mindset for Elul, spiritual preparation, getting honest with ourselves about what's in our lives that maybe no one else knows about, that we really need to work on and scrub off before we get to the high holy days. Waiting until Arev Rosh Hashanah is not the best time to do some real deep introspective um, repentance. This is the time to begin that process. What I find helpful and encouraging, of course, is the words of our Messiah. From our King, the one who actually prays for us in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 17 is the last reading I have for this morning. Matthew 17, many of you know this very well. This is not Matthew 17. I mean to say this, my notes are wrong here. This should say John 17. Yes. John chapter 17 is when Yeshua is really... Um, it's before, of course, that he's uh, betrayed and that he's uh, put to death. So he's really, with all his heart, trying to bless his uh, friends, right? The Talmudim, because he knows the end is near for him, for his ministry here on earth. John chapter 13, this, John chapter 17, verse 13, says this. This is what Yeshua says, but now I am coming to you. I say these words while I am still in the world so that they, his disciples, may have uh, my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world, right? I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. We're not going anywhere, right? But that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Make them holy. What is holy? Holy is kadosh. Holy means you're set apart. Set apart. You're not out of the world. You're just kind of set apart from it while you're still there. 
Make them holy in the truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I make myself holy, set apart, so that they may be holy or set apart in truth. See, there's this holiness aspect that is, it's a partnership. Holiness, the source of it is Adonai. But you know from Torah, the whole book of Leviticus is an example of there is the priests that do their job and the result is God bestows holiness onto something. It's a partnership. That's what the whole book of Leviticus essentially boils down to. If we want to be set apart, it's Adonai is the one that makes holy. But we also have a job to do and a part in that. If we want to be set apart from the world, we have to do our part. We have to yield to the Spirit when the Spirit is within us, nudging us, giving us a little bit of inspiration, that little voice in the back of my head that says, I know this isn't right, but I shouldn't be doing it. We need to start listening to that little voice. We need to start yielding to the Spirit, aligning our thoughts and our actions to His. And uh, this repeated themes of Moshe and Deuteronomy of over and over and over, pleading with them, pleading with them, pleading with them. It's, at some point, the people really have to take that to heart, and we're really no different than these folks that lived 3,500 years ago. We're still people. Sometimes we're a little stiff-necked, and we like to do what we want to do, right? The flesh is strong. But the month of Elul is coming. There is going to be a little extra support. We pray there's going to be a little extra momentum as we drive into these high holy days. And this is what we need to tap into. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Happy is the one who has not walked in the advice of the wicked, nor stood in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the Torah of Adonai, and on his Torah he meditates day and night. During Elul, divine assistance is heightened, allowing us to reap great dividends on our spiritual investments. So let us study a little more Torah. Let us, of course, pray more for that spirit to help us out this month. Let's be honest about our self-reflection. We can fool other people. We can even fool ourselves. But he will smell us out. Re'eh, see the blessings. Make the right choice for blessing, peace, and spiritual well-being. May we all make great choices this month going into a lull. May we have the Spirit working within us, helping us to seek His face and do His will as we walk in the steps of our Messiah, Yeshua. Shabbat Shalom.